Good morning, Twin Falls. It is great to be here, and uh, um, a lot of the people that I know and had hoped to see are actually in uh, in a different country with Iranians, and others I know are, are on vacation. So I spent some time by myself, uh, at just at the at the bridge and getting around town and seeing some of the sights in this place. So I feel like I'm a Twin Falls uh, original now. Uh, I was down, I spent so much time at the bridge watching people jump, I felt like I was a tour guide. Everyone would ask me, is it safe? Let's take a look. How high is it? 486 feet. Is it legal? Yes. All the questions you could ask, where's Evil Knievel's ramp? Over there, right? <laughs> and uh, at the visitor center on Friday, I, I asked the young man that was working there, I said, hey, I'm from out of town, I want to get a burger, but I don't want to go to Habit or Red Robin or any of the chains. Where, where, where would you go? So I don't know what you'd say. He sent me to Twin Falls Sandwich Shop. So I felt like I had a Twin Falls burger. And then there was a creamery right across the street. You know where I'm talking about? They got good ice cream. And I think I gained about five pounds this weekend. Um, and then uh, I met with some folks yesterday morning. And, and the guy called me up and said, hey, we're going to meet you at Perkins. And then five minutes later, he, I, I said, that's fine. Five minutes later, he called me back and said, oh, no, no, no. The people we're with, they don't want to take you to Perkins because that's too, too generic. We're going to go to Idaho Joe's. So I had the buffet at Idaho Joe's yesterday. I feel like I'm in. Am I in now? Am I, I'm partway there. I was given a few other places after first service. But um, words of hope, uh, you know it for our Iranian ministry, and you'll see a video in a minute. But we exist for one reason, because we believe that all people in all places, should have access to God's Word in a language they can understand. That's what we do. We do it in over 70 languages. Uh, Iran is one of the, Farsi is one of the largest languages. And um, there's more about it, our work in our book. Our, the, the, the Words of Hope Daily Devotional exists near for all of us. And as you engage in it, this month, you will read also devotions by people from Uganda who are it's discipling us by what they're seeing in God's Word. The first several days of this month are written by me. And so my mom wants you to go and pick up one of these. Um, and I would love it if you picked up these packets so I don't have to carry them back in the airplane later tonight. But um, there's also stickers. I know people like stickers for their computers or something else that they put stuff on. These are reminders to pray for Iran. There's other stickers. Help yourself and some nice pens at the table. I'd love for you to pick some of those up. But I am primarily here to say thank you to this church. You have no idea how important you are to the work of Words of Hope for the Iranian people. We started there in 2001, and you were probably a part of it from the very beginning. But Iran is a case study for why doing missions in hard places matters. We work where people are under-resourced or persecuted or simply don't have access to the gospel. And we've been doing it in Iran for a long time, but the story of Iranian missions in the modern mission movement goes back to the 19th century, the 1800s. There was a man there, a man named Martin. He helped do some of the translation of their first Bible in that language. He died in 1812. At his death of serving in Iran for the gospel, there was one convert. In 1869, a man named Robert Bruce went from the UK and he gave his life to missions there. We don't know everything that he did, but there was one missionary letter he sent back to the churches that supported him. And we get a sense that he, he understood his role in the history of the church. He wrote in that letter, 
that he understood the season he was in. He said, I am not reaping the harvest. I am scarcely scattering the seed. I am hardly plowing the land, but I am gathering the stones. What has happened in Iran in the last five years of, of, of time since this, since, since, well, I, not because I came to Words of Hope, but in my season of there, we have seen dramatic change. And this church is a part of the story. Here's the story in video. The country of Iran is one of the hardest places to be a follower of Jesus Christ. For 40 years, there's been an Islamic Republic established by a fundamentalist revolution. Pastors were beaten, some were martyred for their faith. Even today, Christians can be imprisoned and tortured for as simple as owning a Bible or converting to Christianity. Words of Hope began working there in 2001. We started with a half hour a day broadcast over shortwave radio. It grew to an hour a day, seven days a week. And we would get little responses here and there. God began to do a good work. In 2018, something profound happened. Our team came to us and said, what if we went all digital all the time? We transitioned from a one hour a day broadcast on one medium to 24 hours a day, seven days a week in digital content. Internet radio streaming, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever you can imagine we were doing. And the growth became exponential. The numbers of people responding grew from a few here and there to tens of thousands in a given month. It has surpassed all of our expectations. The church inside Iran is among the fastest growing in the entire world. And we're a part of that story. Our team, inside and outside of the country of more than a dozen people, is engaged in a five-step strategic plan to nurture the believers, to grow the church, and to prepare it for the future. They start with 10 different social media channels to share the hope of Jesus Christ. Second, people respond to that and we begin to follow up. And as our team responds, they treat each one of those people as a 911 operator seeking to reach as many people with the hope of Christ as they possibly can. Once a person has been determined safe to include into a Christian group, they're welcomed into a secret underground house church or online in a discipleship class, and we begin to build community among the followers of Jesus that come to us. Our fourth step is to build Christian community with North Americans and Iranians outside the country in a safe place. We gather for discipleship training, for mutual encouragement and fellowship, to enjoy the sacrament of the Lord's Supper together, and to build relationships that will endure forever. And in 2022, we added a fifth layer to our strategy. We introduced seminary-level theological education to train emerging leaders inside the country in partnership with Western Seminary in Holland, Michigan. They will be there no matter what happens in the future to provide solid leadership and indigenous people, training indigenous people to be followers of Jesus Christ and to further the mission of the church. The word of God and the hope of Jesus is transforming lives and communities in a persecuted country like Iran 
None of this would be possible without the prayers and support of people like you. So thank you for all of your encouragement, kindness, and generosity to this work. We believe that we're just getting started. God's people said, isn't that incredible? You are a part of that story. Because of your generosity, one of the things we've been able to do is to, to, to say we're for, we can add a third conference that we do in a given year. We, have, we do three a year. Uh, one of them is sponsored by a foundation. Another is by you guys. And a third we just do by faith, trusting God to provide. But we can only do that because you're engaged and your team is there right now. Uh, I think last night was baptism night. Today they're worshiping with Iranian uh, Christians in a, in a church in a safe place outside the country. And uh, you've got some great people there. I'm getting pictures on WhatsApp. And so it's just been fun to see. It's a great story. And you've been a part of it over the long haul. And uh, we, we all stand on the shoulders of those who went before. So thanks be to him. As we come to God's word now, I want to invite Jeanette Willis, who's going to read uh, our scripture. She's going to make her way to the podium. And while she comes, I want to invite all of us to stand as we're able, body or spirit, and face the center of the room. We do this because of the importance that we put in this church, and for Words of Hope too, on God's word. And we face the center because scripture is central to our understanding of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jeanette, when you're ready, lead us in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it? that each one of us hears them in our native language. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pomphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues, in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Thanks, Jeanette. Didn't she read those names of those cities well? <laughs> or those places? I, this is my rule when you're reading scripture out loud and you don't really know how, how it's pronounced. Um, no one else does either. So just do it confidently and you're good to go. All right, so you get to those, those times. Um, this text is the story of Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit. And normally in the calendar of the church, it happens a little bit earlier, so maybe earlier this summer you heard this text read. 
but I'm going to have a little different angle on why it's important. It, it, it's, it is the birthday of the church, and so in some ways it's fitting on 4th of July weekend. We, we celebrate the birthday of the nation that we live in, but Pentecost is the birthday of the church. That's what we belong to forever, Christ's kingdom. And as we look at it, um, the whole of Acts 2 is, is framed by questions that the crowd asks. Uh, most famously is a question that, that Jeanette did not read. It's at the end of the chapter. They say, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent, be baptized, and 3,000 people get saved. The second most important question is the one she ended with, what does this mean? But I want to live in two other questions that are, are right when the commotion happens. The crowd says, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And, and then they ask, how is it that we hear? Who are these people, in essence? So I'm going to get at that by making some observations about the crowd that's gathered, about the people are, who are speaking and what they're saying. Um, and so I might want to have your Bible open, look at it if you want, but um, if not, just follow along as, as, I, as I speak today. But... Um, the crowd. Who are these people? Who is in the crowd? It, it's a gathering of Pentecost. It's one of five festivals that the Jewish people were commanded to keep. Uh, Passover being the previous one. Passover is 50 days before Pentecost. Penta, 50 days after Passover. Passover, the high one. We celebrate Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, as Christians, we celebrate Easter and Passover. Uh, Jesus died on the cross to deliver us like the blood of the Passover lamb that brought the Israelites out of Egypt. That's Passover. Pentecost celebrates two things. It celebrates the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, Moses giving the law, and the harvest that was coming in in that time of the year. And so it was a very agricultural society. Pentecost celebrates the ingathering of the harvest. So you have all these nations together so beautiful and spiritual and fitting with the, the coming of Christ as well. In any event, that's, that's uh, what they're gathering for. But who's in the crowd? Where are they from? All those places that Jeanette read. You, you could probably see a map of the Mediterranean, can't you? you? You heard the names Libya, that's down here, and then Egypt and parts of Cyrene, and you heard the name Rome, that's in Italy, you can imagine that. Cappadocia is a city in modern-day Turkey. The Elamites, they're from Iran. So there were evidently Jewish people from Iran coming to Jerusalem to worship and to experience Pentecost. Elamites. It's a city in Iran. Everybody is coming from around the known world. They're coming very far. There's probably at least three qualities we can ascertain about the crowd. To come that far, they had to be wealthy. They had to be people of means. They had to be able to travel to get there. It was not inexpensive to get from Elam or from Libya or from Rome to come to Jerusalem. So they had to be people of some wealth to be there. A second thing about them is that they were likely highly educated because they spoke not only their native tongue, but they had to have also understood Hebrew, which the Old Testament was written in. They probably understood some of the street language of Aramaic or the Koine Greek that was spoken uh, throughout Palestine as they traveled closer. And so they were likely well-educated, probably the elite of society. They were highly religious. They loved God. They wanted to know about God. They came to celebrate God's relationship with his people and the covenant that he made with Noah on Mount Sinai and to celebrate the ingathering of the harvest. They're very religious. They were the elite of the society. They were from the right zip code. You know what I mean? 
You know, what's the right zip code in Idaho? Outside of Twin Falls, of course, right? Coeur d'Alene, right? Uh, I don't know, where else? But they were the elite of society. That's who's in the crowd. But now, who's speaking? Who's speaking? The people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Um, In Acts chapter 1, we get a picture of who is in the room. In verse 14, it says, All these were with one accord, devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So the people who were following Jesus, the 11 disciples, and then Matthias, who was chosen to replace Judas, the women who were following Jesus, Mary, his mother, and his brothers. So it's a group of men and women in this room when the Holy Spirit falls. They're given utterances to speak. They're the ones who are speaking, but they're there's something else the crowd sees about them. What does the crowd ask? It's, a, it's kind of a rhetorical question. Are not all these who are speaking what? Galileans. Now that word, Galileans, in the text is two things about it. It is factually true. They were from Galilee. And two, it's derisive. It's a dig. It's unexpected. It's factually true, and it's unexpected. Galileans are not rich. Galileans are not highly educated in their mind. Galileans are not, well, they're religious, but they're more religious zealots, if you will. They're not refined in their understanding of religious things. They're Galileans. Something about them gave them away. Maybe it was their look or their unkept beard or maybe their clothing. Probably their accent. You know how you can tell where somebody is from by their accent and you make little, little, little uh, subconscious um, things about stereotypes, right? I mean, right now, what, Californians are moving up here. You, you know, that sounds like an Orange County accent, right? So you make your assumptions about that, don't you? I'm from eastern Wisconsin where we pronounce every vowel as if, and we don't allow them to blend. So when, when, when you see the word boat, we, we, we go for a ride in a boat. You get it, right? Uh, or coat. We have all kinds of, we, we put prepositions where they don't belong. We say, I'll meet you down by the river, you got two ones, hey. Instead of just saying, I'll meet you at the river, right? When I went to college and I talked, they said, where are you from, Right? I met somebody before service from Minnesota, right? You know when they're from Minnesota, right? How they talk. And we make our assumptions about them. Something about the Galileans told the crowd, made them think, how is it possible? How is it possible that Galileans can speak in all these kinds of languages? In fact, Galileans were so ill thought of when when Philip first meets Jesus, he finds Nathanael, and he says to Nathanael in John chapter 1, we have found him of whom Moses in the law spoke, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said, can anything good come from Nazareth, which is in Galilee? In, later on in the Gospel of John, John chapter 7, the uh, religious leaders are having a question. Nicodemus is among them, and they're wondering if Jesus could be a prophet. And they say to Nicodemus, are you from Galilee too? Search and see. No prophet arises from Galilee. And when Peter and John are standing before the Jewish council in Acts chapter 4, It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, just like the crowd of Acts 2. 
are not all these who are speaking Galileans? This is what God does, though, doesn't he? Abraham was a 75-year-old childless man married to an infertile woman. I will make of you a great nation, God says. Every nation will be blessed through you. Your descendants will be as numerous as the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. God took a woman, a widow named Ruth, a Moabitess, the very wrong zip code if you're going to be living in Israel. And she marries a man named Obed who becomes the father of Jesse, who becomes the father of David. Speaking of whom, only a boy named David. And how many stones did he take? Five little stones. And he slayed Goliath, and he became the greatest king Israel ever had. Only a, a young girl, unmarried girl named Mary, in a backwater place called Nazareth. You have found favor with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll bear a son, and you'll name him Jesus. In the providence of God, he chose to take fishermen and tradesmen and carpenters, school teachers, common people from a backwater place like Nazareth to follow him and they would become pillars of the church. And now they're speaking in the tongues of the nations. Isn't it incredible? I don't know if you've ever felt out of place or unqualified. <coughs> I want to show you a man named Punkish. <coughs> Punkish is a man in a wheelchair in northern, somewhere in northern India. I can't tell you exactly where. Um, I can after the service, but I can't tell you now. Um, he came to Christ listening to a, a Christian media message. And our little development worker that works there noticed him, and he was telling everybody about Jesus. And he's on this hand-cranked bicycle going around telling people about Jesus, and, and they say, hey, do you want to just be a part of our team? So they give him little micro SD cards that fit in Android phones that can, be, that can share gospel messages in the language of that area. And he said, yeah, I'll be a part of that team. And then they got excited for him, and they decided, you know, he's in this hand-cranked uh, tricycle because he's paralyzed from the waist down. Let's buy him, a, let's buy him a, a trike. And so the Indian Christians themselves, through Facebook crowdsourcing, they decided to fund it, and they bought it. And it's, that's the bike you see him in here. And he goes around, and our, our overall leader for Asia, who lives in a different city in India, came to see him and, and just said, hey, we're so glad you're doing this. I'm concerned for you. Are, are people coming to persecute you, to beat you up, or to harm you? Because it's in that part of the country. It's very much oppressed to be a Christian. And he said, oh, people come to attack me all the time. But then they see that I'm in a wheelchair and they leave me alone because they think, what can this man do to, share, to, to, to damage our faith or damage our, our, our religion, right? So they let him go. And they think, well, their God, his God can't be that real because, because God has him in a wheelchair and can't heal him. How powerful is that God? He said, but I can tell people about Jesus. In January, February, and March of this year, in the community of faith that Punkish is a part of, that he helps to share the faith of Christ with, 118 people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and were baptized. Amen? 
If God can use a paralyzed man whose only knowledge of the Bible comes from SD cards made from some people in his language, what is our excuse for not sharing the hope of Jesus, people? God is so good. I can't go to that village where Pankaj is because I don't speak their language and I don't know the culture and I don't know their needs, but he does. And as much as I know about the bridge and all the jumping that happens off of it and the great places to eat in this town, I don't speak Twin Falls, but you do. And some of you know how to speak to jumpers who got their parachutes on and they're at the, at the visitor center. I don't know how to speak their language, but you do. There's all kinds of bikers around this town too, or at least there was this weekend. I don't know why, you know, right? I don't speak their language, but you do. I went to the truck rodeo or whatever. There was some truck show in town that, that Ray took me to. We had a blast meeting these guys who just love their trucks. Now, my dad's a truck driver. I kind of speak the language, but not really. Some of you do. You are the only Jesus who some people will ever meet in their, in, in their life, and you can tell them the hope of Jesus. There's only two qualities that you need to have, and they're found when, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin saw Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, they noticed they were common, uneducated, ordinary men, but that they had been with Jesus. And in Acts chapter 1, it says that this, the group of people that were gathered in that room had devoted themselves to prayer. Jesus and prayer, or the Word of God. Jesus is, by the way, the very Word of God. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is present in the Word of God. If we want to, to be used of God, two things are needed only, that we are with Jesus and that we're in prayer. You know, my, I love my Apple Watch. It tells me how, how many calories I've burned. 404 calories I've burned today so far. I'm preaching until I hit 700. No, don't worry. <laughs> but I want to close that circle by the end of the day. I'll be walking around the airport to close that circle, right? It tells me, on every Sunday afternoon, it tells me how much time I've spent on my phone. That's really kind of annoying. Does yours do that too? You spent so many hours, 30% more than last week. You know, what if we had circles that said how much time we spent in prayer? Five minutes. What will be our goal? I, my goal is seven hundred calories today. But but what will my goal for prayer? Five minutes, ten minutes, half hour? I don't know how you'd measure that, right? But you get the idea. Anyone who spends time with Jesus and who waits on Him in prayer can be used of him for great and glorious things. You can speak the language. He has given you the gift to speak to somebody. And by the way, the, the, the verse 13 ends with, and some mocking said, they are filled with new wine, they're drunk. When was the last time somebody said about the people of Twin Falls Reformed Church, they must be drunk. They love Jesus so much. Oh, to be like punkish, huh? All right, that's who's in the crowd. That's the who's crowd who's speaking. But notice also what they're saying. I, I have uh, the, the English Standard Version, I think, that uh, Jeanette read from uh, the NIV, which is terrific. Just is a slightly different word, and I don't know what it says, so I'm going to ask someone to find it in their Bible. And it, it says... They ask this question, how is it that we hear? And then in verse 
11, the end, after all those places, says we hear them. The ESV says telling in our own tongues, and the NIV says something different. But what are they telling them? What, what's the message? What's the content of the message? Telling them how to behave? Telling them how not to behave? Telling them what? The great things that God has done. The church in the United States right now is known more for what it is against than who it is for. It is known more for the things that it is railing against and who it hates than the one who loves us all. Say that again. The great things that God has done. I don't know what they, I'd love to be in that crowd to know what they were. We know from Peter's speech that it included talking about the, the promise of the Holy Spirit was for men and women, boys and girls, old and young. We, we know that he talked about the salvation that came in Jesus Christ. I imagine if I was down by the, the falls today, I'd, I'd point to the creation and say, how can this not be God? I can tell people how I have been set free from sin and forgiven and made right with him. And you can do the same. The great things of God ultimately is about a person named Jesus who is the very Son of God who died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, three days later rose again, ascended into heaven, and one day he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. And oh, how I want to be numbered among those who are forever living with him in his kingdom. Amen? meet a, a woman named Kazia. She's the other story I want to tell. We work in a lot of other places besides Iran, although that's, that's one of our bigger places. She's in central Buganda. She's trained as an agronomist. She knows everything about corn. She'd love to come here and help you grow corn. She couldn't find a job in Uganda, but she was a faithful follower of Jesus. And the, the local bishop of the Anglican church said, hey, would you want to make radio programs at Words of Hope for our area. And she said yes, and she makes programs. And, and, and I was there a year and a half ago in November, and I asked her, what's it like to make these programs? Tell me about them. And she makes two a week. One is uh, the, the, sermon, the Sunday sermon that is brought to life on radio, and then she has another program that's a live call-in program where people ask questions about Christianity. An agronomist ask, answering questions about Christianity. She's just this petite little thing, but with a microphone and a big voice. And I said, tell me one of your favorite encounters. She said, oh, there was a Muslim man who called in one day. And he said, I keep a notebook of all the ways that Christian preachers on the radio are criticizing Islam. And I call in to confront them and tell them how they're wrong. And I'm right. And I, I, have, I have your name written down, but I have nothing that you have said against Islam. You only seem to talk about somebody named Jesus. I want to know more about Jesus. Right? I am convinced that this wall is true. The gospel is real and changes everything. Let us pledge as followers of Christ to give people the gospel. The good news. It is so beautiful. 
that God would love us so much to give his only son to die on the cross that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, it is so glorious and beautiful. You will be drawn to it the way tourists are drawn to the Grand Canyon. They want to see it. They want to witness it. They want to experience it. Let's give the world Jesus. We call ourselves words of hope because we believe that hope in Jesus changes everything. Let's be that people. Amen? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, uh, come and seal your word in our hearts. And Lord, we want to be your servants in this place and around the world. As we're here right now, I'm mindful that it's coming to evening in the place where people from Twin Falls are at. People like Christy and Glow and Noah and others, Father. Lord, would tonight be such a glorious night for them that it would be unmistakably an experience of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we prepare to sing this last song, may we stand for the beautiful truth that Jesus Christ is Lord and the only hope for this nation and every nation in whose name we're bold to pray. Amen. Friends, you are about to enter every sphere of public life to claim it for Christ. And as you go, tell them about Jesus. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.